Inner Genetic Living Radio is a conscious reality creation journey. Tune in each month as Rick and Grace Paris teach you the innovative approach and new philosophy that will shift your entire paradigm of what it is to be a human being. Synergenetic living is a living, breathing, conscious experience. As a shaman for 20 years, Rick Paris has been guiding people to fuller existences since his first workshop in 1995. He is well-versed in a wide variety of healing arts, including being an Enneagram expert. Grace Paris serves Synergenetic Living clients powerfully and beautifully by embodying the fundamental role of a feedback provider, graciously guiding people to their own realizations and higher purposes. On this show, Rick and Grace will share with listeners the key to unlocking the infinite potential of human consciousness in order to create a life of preference. Learn to author your own destiny with Synergenetic Living Radio. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to Synergenetic Living Radio. And you know what? It is a big word. It's a big phrase. I have been working with Rick and Grace now so that all of you can experience what I've got to experience personally with them. You know, many of you may be thinking, you know, what is it that I should be knowing about my life? And why am I keep getting stuck in the same old places I keep getting stuck in? Well, if you know anything about Rick, which you're going to find out in a minute, and a little bit about Grace, and then a lot about Grace, and then a little about Rick, you're going to understand there's a synergy to who they are and what they do. They are the founders. They are the people that created Synergenetic Living. But more than that, they know what it's like to help people move beyond whatever it is that they feel is in front of or blocking or stuck or all the words we use in our language to represent reasons why we are just plain unhappy with our lives. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to be hearing a lot about Rick, a lot about Grace, and mostly about you. Hey, guys, it's great to have you here. I'm I'm excited about this today. Us too. Thanks, Dr. Pat. We're so so excited. for making it happen. Now, listen, I, what I love about doing this show and doing a video of it is, you know, there are people in the world that talk about doing things. Then there are people that actually do things. And the reason I wanted to capture this on video is you both don't talk about what a life could be like or how it could be. You actually represent that. Rick, I want to start with you. You know, each of us has a journey. We go through life. Some of us have challenges. Some of us maybe not. But here's the question I've asked over 9,000 people. What are some of the challenges and obstacles that you've had to overcome to bring you to this very moment? Um, a lot of obstacles. I mean, you know, everybody, every human being has obstacles. Um, it's part of being a human being in a physical reality. You need resistance for reality to slow down and take form. And for me, I mean, my path as a healer has always been part of healing, even when I didn't have the words for yeah. it. Mm. You know, when I was a little boy, for instance, my parents divorced you know, when I was five. And I remember really trying to figure out what was going on there, you know, and I went to school and for whatever reason I used to uh, 
show and tell everything going on in my home life in front of the class. And uh, at one point, the teachers asked my mom if it would be all right that I could speak to the other children after school because so many kids are having so many problems with the divorce. And I seemed to understand what was going on and I could articulate it. And so that was really the beginning of me understanding more about myself. And that was the first huge blockage in my life, yeah. my father leaving. It was a very big deal to me to not be with my father. I wasn't very connected to my mother. So when he left, I was really freaked out and not comfortable with her. And so from that point on, it was lots and lots of trauma and lots of you know, abuse like everybody gets, you know, everybody gets abused one way or another, the way that we've been currently raised. And so, you know, I, I lost a couple businesses in my life. I've been divorced. I've, I've died. I've right. got, I've a lot of things go on that. Have, and in all of that, even as a little kid, I always knew Whatever the problem was, the solution was in the problem. Everything to me has always been a puzzle. My first day of school, I didn't even say bye to my mom. I ran over to the puzzle table, dumped it all, three of them I mixed <laughs> together and said, watch, I could do all three of these at the same time. <laughs> and my mom was like bawling because I was the only kid not crying for my mom, you know? So I've always been that guy. And as I got older, and moved from more of a, like a mechanical sense and realized that when I listen to people speak, I can hear their patterns in their voice. I can hear their, like a repetition, I can hear their energy stop somewhere that they're running over it unconsciously. And I always wanna know what's in that little space between. And synergenetic living is all about the space between things. It's not about the individual components. You know, there's three of us having an engagement right now and the three of us are creating an environment together and that environment's always been much more important to me understanding the environment and you know when you read things about Tesla and Victor Schauberger and all these cutting-edge inventors from the past who were creating free energy and understanding how to do it they all watch nature and they all were looking for a harmony and so when there's a problem there's a harmonic opposite to that problem and when you can point it out to somebody it's a gestalt for them and they are just like oh my god I didn't even see that you know and for me it's a very emotionally mechanical experience for me it's I'm feeling my emotions feeling them inside of myself and trying to be the best mirror and at the same time Grace is with me and she's helping me be another mirror to check myself as I check other people you know, even your telephone can't work if it doesn't have three positions. GPS works on a triangulation. Everything in physical reality is actually working on a triangulation. It's understanding the triangulation and there's a synergy between the three parts that's greater than the sum of its whole. And so this is a way to look at life. This is a philosophy. It's a different way to look at things. And I, I know I got way off the question and I do. No, you didn't. You absolutely I, didn't get off on the, it didn't get off because, you know, part of what I love about this is we all get to demonstrate what synergenetic living is by actually demonstrating that 
in order for us to really be, we actually have to really be, meaning we have being in the moment, we're addressing the energy of the moment, addressing the question of the moment, but also not being boxed in by the moment. And that's really so important in understanding. People ask, how am I going to keep up with my life? How am I going to keep up with the world? How am I going to keep up with information? Well, somehow we think we're inferior to whatever that is on the outside. And we're going to get back to that because I, I know yeah. that, that there are a few things we're going to talk about. Grace, I got to ask you, though. Uh, Grace and I have spent a lot of time together. And uh, she probably knows me better than Jessica, I think. Uh, <laughs> and, and at the same time, you know, that process of getting to know people is so important. You're, you are right there with Rick, and yet you are still Grace. I want to ask you the question. You know, your challenges, have they been different? Have they been the same? Um, the same for Rick or just people in general? Because I feel like there's a lot I can relate to with yeah. you. Um, Rick, you'll come to find out, he was being groomed to be the preacher of his church. And I went through a similar experience of my mom bounced us from religion to religion. Uh-huh. I really felt like fulfilled by different religions. And as a kid, I always wondered, I was like, why do we have to go to church? And what's the point of this? Because it really like feels like it's all about guilt and shame and it never really felt good, and I just never understood that. Why it didn't yeah, feel good? Yeah, I just never. <laughs> so, and it's part of the structure. Right, and it's so woven into the fabric of our society. So I think that one of my biggest challenges was, like, how do I move beyond the paradigm of, like, religion when it seems like everyone is so ingrained in it? Yeah. Yeah. How do I even when they think they're not? Oh, I don't go to church. I doesn't. You're in the paradigm, baby. It's you know, it's there. You can see it by the way the world's operating. Right. And so my, I think my biggest obstacle was redefining what love really meant to me. Because for so long, I identified with love is struggle, love is pain. You know, I have to struggle in order to get what I want, and that is never that never works that's never fulfilling and so when i met rick i was like this is what love feels like yeah. this is what I wanted to feel like and this is how i want to grow and change this is the environment that's conducive to real change and transformation yeah and, you know that was my biggest breakthrough ever was recognizing wow i have this idea of love all wrong and yeah. it's we're here for as human beings we're having this human experience to really understand many facets of what it is to love motherly yeah. fatherly love brotherly sisterly i mean there's so many dimensions to it you know what i love about what you're saying is that part of this is understanding you know what our calling is let's just say so to speak you know what happens rick grace what happens when you're called to be a healer or you have the calling of a healer? I think it's, 
certain people have a certain amount of compassion and vulnerability very early in life. Mm. You know, one of the things when I was just learning everything I learned is, you know, compassion, children don't have compassion because compassion is born of sorrow. And you have to understand the impact you had. And when little kids, are, they don't understand the impact they're having. So they really don't have sorrow. But you do see every once in a while a child expressing deep compassion and they're so small. I think that's one of the first things to recognize as a healer is someone who actually has a sense of compassion much earlier than their years. Um, most healers have have a certain amount of struggle in their past around wanting to be whole and in feeling the deep rift between who they are spiritually and who they are physically. And I, when I was growing up, my family was very religious. At 10 years old, I left the Catholic church because I stopped and I said, told my grandma, I said, I don't want to go anymore. They try to make me feel guilty all the time. And I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And I had been listening to Southern Baptists and Southern Baptist people had believed, well, you know, you can't get in church by your own works. You know, you're either saved or you're not saved. But if you're saved, you feel it and you know it. And that's how you kind of know. But, you know, being a good person isn't going to get you in heaven. And I thought, well, that's kind of how it works at home. I do something wrong. I get whipped and then I'm forgiven and I go out and play again. You know, I kind of it made more sense to me to be in this internal place of guilt and shame, which they had their own shame. It just was more in alignment with my own, where the Catholic Church and the shame that they were trying to impose on me didn't really I didn't relate to it, so there wasn't a har- harmony there. Yeah. Where the Catholic Baptist, there was a big harmony because my stepdad was beating me quite often. And, you know, it's like, and when you hit a child, even if it's only once, you're the God being who's supposed to protect them. And if you hit a child, you break the sense of security to the best place in the universe that they need it from. And, you know, we, people hit children to expedite growing because they're not patient enough to deal with the time it takes to teach them in an appropriate way. So hitting them is a quick and expedient way to yeah. get your point across. But it does a lot of damage. Yeah. And so I and plus when I entered the Baptist religion, that was devil stuff. You're not supposed to talk to psychics. <laughs> You're not supposed to talk to people who act weird like that. That's devil stuff. God doesn't like that, you know. So I stayed away from it. Even though I knew something was going on with me, I knew that people always felt better around me. I And it, it would stick out in places like at church we would go to, um, like convalescent homes and do little yeah. plays. For the, and I was Joseph or I was, you know, a king or whatever in the plays. And, but after I would get out, all these older people would just surround me and be touching me and wanting to pick me up. And Partially, I was uncomfortable, but at the same time, I could see that they wanted to be next to me. I could see that they needed something, and they were getting it without me doing much. And so there was always pieces in the back of my head. And it wasn't until much later, after I was excommunicated from the Southern Baptist Church, because I was disagreeing with articles of faith. I was like, nobody's doing this. Why have this as an article? There's a lack of character here. If we're not really doing this, then we're not who we say we are. And if we're not who we say we are, how are we going to instill anything? And so I was like, let's just get rid of these articles. And of course, you know, I was young at the time. They're like, you can't do that. And I was like, well, 
I don't know what to say, but I'm not going to obey these articles. And of course, I got a letter in the mail. And that really hurt me because I never felt close to my family, but I always felt close to the congregation and the people in the congregation. So that was that was the breaking point in me. I just felt really lost after that. And I knew that I couldn't go to any other religions. I saw the shame in all of them. They're, they're, I don't know of one, but just because I'll say nearly all the religions are based in shame. You are faulty. You are flawed. You're defective. You're worth less. And you can tell by the level of martyrhood operating in the world all the time. The world, the matter, the amount of shame going on, whether you're religious or not, those came from those constructs, that paradigm. And so I started looking at everything. I started going to hypnosis. I started going to psychics. I started going to channels. I, I just wanted to know everything about what they told me wasn't right before. And I just started realizing after listening, I said, I think I'm a healer. Uh, you know, I'm a healer. And then, you know, and of course I had heard that from, you know, there would be people walk up to me as a child and say, you know, you're a healer. And my family would be like, get away from them. You know, that's, that's not good. Stay away. And so after I start opening up, a, a, a shaman, a Russian shaman woman too, came up to me and said, hey, you know, you're a healer. Your aura and everything about you is a healer. And I was like, you know, I'm not really into that. I mean, I learned all this stuff, but I'm not into touching people and hitting them on the forehead or whatever. Gotta ha- I'm not into it. I don't want to touch anybody either. And she said, well, what if you knew that your healing had nothing to do with any of that? Wow. And I just got interested immediately. And she's the one that taught me that healing comes in the way that I speak and the way that people mm. listen to me and how that comes out of me and when I started learning that, I started recognizing how powerful it was for me to just understand where I was coming from in a way that led people. Like I'm a natural inspiration. I'm a natural champion for love. I'm a natural champion for beauty. I, it's in a, my, how many of my sessions go over because I'm so into what's going on. I just yeah. don't want to stop giving. And I feel so good in the process. I go over quite often and So healing was a long process for me. It had been, I studied to be a shaman for about eight or 10 years before I even opened my mouth to my family. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until my grandfather, who was the only person I really connected with, was dying. And I decided to tell him everything on his deathbed about what I was doing, which ended up being one of the most profound moments in my life at that time. And I had told my grandfather Everything I knew about what I more call metaphysics today, which it wasn't quite, I didn't really think of it that way. And he died. And let's push ahead three years. I told him and I felt like, well, I told my grandfather everything while he was still kind of in and out. And I felt really good to share something with him because I told him, you don't need to do this in the next lifetime. I knew enough about physical reality creating. I knew enough about what was going on that I could share that. So I'm, I go see this psychic, this very famous one in London. And while we're sitting there, she keeps doing this around the back of me and she stops and she, she slowly does this again. And, I, <laughs> I go, I, and finally she goes, I'm sorry, I don't talk to dead people, but there's a dead people, there's a dead person in the room. He says he's your grandfather and he has something to say to you. And I was like, oh, okay, let's see if she's really on point here. <laughs> this is my grandpa, right? So... <laughs> 
And so I'm like, yeah, what's he saying? And he goes, on his deathbed, and I just started bawling. I didn't even, she goes, everything you told that man at that time in your life is, um, <laughs> you appreciate it so much. He was like, thank you so much. You changed everything for me. And I just wanted to tell you everything you believe to um, multiply that times 10 in your own life. Take what, we're, what you told me and go times 10. And I just was so blown out because I, I had my own little world inside. You know, I wasn't prepared to share it. I, I, I'm sorry, but I wasn't prepared to share my experiences because they were so unique to me and I didn't want anybody even altering them. Yeah. Except maybe my grandfather. Yeah. And so when he said that, I was like, this is the only person, if it wasn't for him, I don't even know if I would have survived. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, there's, that was my grandpa. I know how he talks to me. I know what he would, that was him. Yeah. And I never heard from him again, other than in my own meditative experiences, but not like that. And so I said, okay. And at the time I had known, or let's say I was really incorporating in every possible way in my life that belief precedes experience. Most people in the world think experience defines my beliefs. Mm -hmm. They don't recognize they're a God being. They don't recognize they're creating reality in accordance to their will. And because they're not, you know, I don't like to say fragmented, but people need to be diversified. You're a multidimensional being. Dying, let me get that experience. And your child and your adolescent and your negative ego, these are, and you're, you have many other aspects, but they're real and they're in real time. And when you're experiencing something from the past now, it's because another leg of the synergy that is you is vibrating. And the circumstance is making me afraid because I'm afraid it's going to happen again. Therefore, I put that belief in front of me and it happens. That triangulation happens. So your beliefs precede the experience. It is not the other way around. And, you know, of course, it takes yeah. a lot speaking to people for them to understand that and how so, did dying help you understand that i want i don't want to go too far without yeah you know because i i won't remember asking you that question i wanted to know um how dying helped you get you know see that perspective about 100 percent reality because i had ingrained that so deeply in my subconscious and my unconscious. I've been meditating for years to own that because I recognized it was the most powerful belief I ever heard. Mm -hmm. And me, if somebody told me a more powerful one than that tomorrow, I would drop it and I would be on the next thing. I'm not attached to what I'm teaching, but I'm recognizing that I know how to teach something that I don't know who's doing this. And I've changed dozens of people's life like this already. Yeah. I know it works. I know because dying, when I left my body, I recognized what was happening to me. And be, when I died, and see, near-death and death experiences are totally different. There's, they're not the same. And a person with a near-death does not have a death experience. There's a space of life, and there's a space after the life. And there's a, there's a third space in between the two. And when someone's near death, they're out of their body, but they always reference what they're doing through the physical. Mm. My body was there. I'm walking around the hospital or I could do anything I wanted. I could, but they're always attached to the physical, even though they're not in their body. When yeah. you 
try, you let go of that connection completely. Then what happens? You're immediately out of the universe. Mm. The universe is a sea of possibility. That's it. When you dip your consciousness in the universe, you and the universe mix in a synergetic expression. And all that is, is the combination between you and the gift of physical reality. And so when you die, the universe is gone. There's no legacy. There's no radio show. There's no friends. They, those are renditions of the other people that have their own universes. And so you, your rendition of everything dies. And so when I recognized that and I was like, oh, my God, and I looked back into physical experience, I could see that the lifetime I had just left, you imagine just many, many peaks all over the place. And those are all your lifetimes. They're not linear. They're just all fluctuating. And I saw that the lifetime I had left was a peak experience. And I had remembered because I knew I created my own reality, I didn't let go of my consciousness of the body when I left. I knew where I belonged. And when I looked back into physical experience, I could see the lifetime. I could see it was over, but I could see another lifetime right next to it. Like, oh, same friends, same clothes, same different guy but so close that I realized, wow, because I'm aware and because I had a lifetime, I can look back and go, that's a monumental lifetime I was living. Well, if I believe belief precedes experience, then I could go back into that body. I don't need to be born again because I created an anchor. I created a way to reference myself outside. And at that moment, when you're dead, everything's very different than here. But in a nutshell, if you can articulate a question, the answer is there. It's like you're already Google. Yeah. <laughs> it just happens. Nobody's, it's you. And there's other people there, but you all have your own thing going on. And so I decided right then, wow, if I could go back into my body with the same structure I left, why couldn't mm. I? And of course I kept, I thought I was gone for five years. I stayed as long as I wanted to ask all the questions I needed to know to come back here again. And so I reincarnated myself. I put myself in there. I was in between the worlds. I saw my body on the ground. I was like, okay, I know how to get back in. I put myself back in my body. I had been hit by two cars. The first car was totaled. It was demolished. And the second car was damaged because I landed on it. But when I put myself back in my body, I had been dead 18 minutes. And I had also, when I came back, I told don't touch me. Don't touch me. Oh, I, have wow. to think. I need to think for a second because I'm freaking out because as I was trying to put like, like just imagine trying to stuff yourself in a grain of sand. You can't keep everything that you were. You can't hang on to all that information. Mm -hmm. So as I'm going back into my physical, I'm losing the connection. But at the same time, I'm panicking because I'm like, wow, I'm all twisted up. I'm bleeding. I'm all screwed up. And now, oh, my God, I don't remember like I did a minute ago. And I was like, just I went in a little meditation and I said, hey, higher self, everybody, all my guides. I just need help right now because I'm freaking out. I know that I'm good, but I'm also not so clear like I was a few minutes ago. Mm. And I looked up at the ambulance guy, said, you can work on me now. But one thing I need, you need to communicate every piece of information going on to me. And you just tell me the end result. Test me and tell me what the test has to be. The best result and I'll create the result. I don't need to know how to get there. It's the future that creates the present, which is part of what drives me nuts about Eckhart Tolle. 
that Cartol is eliminating the future. He's basically saying, hey, don't worry about what's out there. Wait till it gets to you and then deal with it in the now. But the future creates the present. The future is the source of all healing. Without a strong imagination, expectation, and desire in the future, I cannot generate the now in, in a conscious way. So dying enabled me to have a feedback mechanism. I reincarnated myself, knowing how to do it, knowing I could do it, and I did it, and I healed. My, I walked out of the hospital the next morning, injury-free. And that was, I had six doctors ask me, how did you do that? Because when I got an ER, I said, who's in charge? What'd you tell them? I said, who's in charge? I said, all I need you to do, if you put me in a machine, you tell me what the result needs to be, positive, net, whatever. You tell me the result, and when I come out, I'll make that result. I'll make sure that you are telling me that result. And the guy's like, I, I said, he goes, this needs to be negative. This needs to be positive. And so first time, they give me a brain scan because I was having seizures the cop next to me is like, I've never seen a human body take a shot like that. Maybe in a coma and die, but nobody awake like what you just went through. <laughs> and I was like, okay, brain was fine after I got through. I, then they said, oh, you got internal bleeding for sure. So that ended up being right. So then they scanned me for bones. And that bit, in the end, there was nothing wrong. And I told them, I'll walk out of the hospital if you just work with me. And I did. I walked out the next morning on my own by myself. They, they signed me out. I went home. Of course, my entire life changed. It took me many oh, years yeah. to operate that experience, yeah. which also when you come back into a physical experience all the way in and out, you take on another spirit. Your soul is forever. But I am not the same guy I was here before. The physical reality is not the same reality it was when I was here before. It looks similar, mostly, but things don't taste the same. My love doesn't feel the same. My experiences aren't the same. And it took me a long time to get comfortable with almost like one guy inside, but two different parts of myself always having to like let, to let go. I had an amazing life. My businesses were kicking butt. I was traveling all over. I was just having, I was promoting clubs in Hollywood when I was in my mid forties. Yeah. I, I was having a kick-ass life and then it was over. Yeah. And so death there's a lot that happened between my grandfather doing what he did, mm -hmm. he really committing on a level that I, I wouldn't even understand how to commit to if he hadn't suggested it. Me just committing because I was understanding beliefs precede reality. So if he's telling me to go 10 times deeper, I'm just going to go. I trust him. He's the only person I trusted. So there's a lot that happened to make that significant. Yeah. And I love this because we've been talking about, uh, for folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Synergenetic Living. I'm Dr. Pat, uh, Grace, Grace Paris, Rick Paris. You know, the deal here is that we, the three of us been talking to each other for about a year. And so I've gotten, I've gotten this wisdom along the way. I've got it through you and I've got it through you, Grace. And I applied it last Saturday. Because I remember talking with you and I thought, and I'm just this whole belief precedes reality. And I thought, okay, I got to try this. And, you know, for me, sometimes I have to take little baby steps. Sometimes not so much. Sometimes maybe not, right? But sometimes it has to be a baby step. And, uh, you know, 
I was in an environment where people were telling me I was not going to be able to do something that I used to do really well because I was older now. That Do you know that story? Yeah. You know that storyline? People with that story. You know that story? Um, now, I'm not talking about, Pat, you're never going to be able to enter a beauty pageant again. Well, honestly, Pat never entered a beauty pageant. That's not me, really. Um, but it wasn't that. What they were saying is maybe I should learn to play differently because I'm not going to be able to play the way I did. Now, when you're anything that you love in life, right? People listening to this, pick something that you love in life. Pick something. I don't know what it is. Could be sex. It could be cooking. I don't. It doesn't matter. Now, imagine people saying to you, "Uh oh, no! I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to do it." Those chocolate chip cookies you made yesterday, forget it. You're a year older. You cannot make them. You can't do it. And I remember what you guys said to me. I mean, it was just, it just came right in my face. Belief precedes reality. And I looked at this guy. And originally, when he asked me to play, I say, no, I don't want to play because I, I have the belief that I, I'm going to get killed. I'm just going to I'm just going to die. That's a good idea not to play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, why do I want to do this? It doesn't feel good to get killed. I don't like to. And I just said, you know what? Here's my belief. I am the best player on the planet. I hit everything. I move with ease and grace. And the minute I say that, Grace, I thought about you. I, you know what I mean? It's like, where do I get a phrase like that? So I said, oh, now Grace is here. This is a little weird. Oh, and yeah. And I played. And what happened in that few minutes, it was only a few minutes. So I need a little bit more practice, Rick. I'm just going to say. <laughs> but in that short period of time, something happened that changed the entire perspective of a room full of about 30 people in that moment. And you know what their answer was to me? And we're going to take a short break. And I want to talk about this when we come back with both of you. Their answer was, wow, now we know not to get her mad, but I wasn't mad. And I want to talk about that when we come back. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Tune in each month to Synergenetic Living Radio, where Rick and Grace Paris discuss the synergenetic way of life, what it means to truly change your perspective in life, what it means to take control of your life and manifest your true desires. For more information on Rick and Grace Paris and Synergenetic Living, check out SynergeneticLiving.com. Get clear on the life you desire and the current life you are creating and what is between the two. Synergenetic Living, living life loud. Hey, everybody, welcome back. If you want to find out more about us, go to the Dr. Patcho or Transformation Talk Radio. If you want to find out more about Rick and Grace, you can also go there or you can go to SynergeneticLiving.com. Lots of information out there. Thank you both. Um, now, look, you work with people all over the world, and this is what what this is our first show to talk about how this all evolved and happened. You know, before the break, I was saying, for me, I had a moment where I heard your voice, and that that moment, I refused to believe what an entire room of people wanted to tell me was my reality. But I realized that I had believed, been believing that up to that moment. And I said something that, you know, maybe I did get a little angry. 
Here's the question. Does it matter? No, and that's that's a big part of what we try to teach people. If you want to be fully expressed, that means I have to be fully expressed in a responsible way with my emotions. And because so many people have been, uh, they have beliefs around anger is not good and I don't get what I want when I express anger. People don't respond to me well around anger. All these beliefs, they hinder the most intense emotion for stopping reality because really in many ways, anger is the brakes of reality. If you start to get mad and you let it go, everybody goes, looks, because it's intense. And so the entire reality just can stop. Now, if you take that anger and use it irresponsibly and you blame people for that anger when it's your choice of emotion to express, but if you blame that anger on somebody, now you're actually using it against the people around you. You're going to get a negative feedback from Mm. this. Now, if you really honestly express it and you're like, hey, F this, this doesn't, you know, and and you're not pointing it and you're really in the middle of expressing it while that intensity is going, you could make choices in the background and create the reality with the intensity because physical experience is created emotionally. It's Mm. or not. I think, therefore, I am you thinking is the spirit. Soul is the emotional part of who you are. Your soul, when you die, is the only thing that really experiences. You're experiencing spirit is over there, but it's a different expression of spirit here. It's temporal and non-temporal spirit is born when you're born and it dies when you die and it exists outside of space and time. So when you, when you are in those moments and you're trying to recognize it and you're feeling angry, what's really happening is the next emotion. I recognize that my belief and I don't want that belief anymore because it's been hurting me. It's like if you imagine living eternally, you can't have all that. Well, I'm getting and that's why my elbow hurts. And that's why I'm because I'm going to die soon. What if you were going to live forever? I bet I better find out what's going on because I don't want to stay with this from now on. And because form is falling function, most healers out there understand when you unplug the function of why the body's reacting, the body goes back to harmony. Well, so does the reality when you understand how to unplug what's going on in reality reality goes not only does it go back to harmony it can go wherever you want it to go so when you start learning to be present to your emotions and know that my choices are creating if i feel resistance in the outside experience it's because i have a limited belief that i'm hitting right now oh totally and so when i unplug it that's gone i don't have to go back and again next weekend because they're saying the same stuff to me that's the pattern that I'm trying to release if it happens more than once. If anything happens to you twice in a row, you're living in the past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, this, this this idea of pseudogenetic living is, and this is what I love about this. I didn't get to meet one of you. I get to meet, I, I, I met both of you. And you got, you both represent the synergenetic process of two people coming together in ways that are indescribable, creating something that's bigger than either one of you, right? And Rick, you just describing this through life experiences. So in a way that I can relate it to something as simple as hitting a ball 100 miles an hour. And I'm not, ta- I'm, I, I, this, it's, it's a little table tennis. It's a ping pong ball if you really want to know. But <laughs> the process is, that for me, that's my joy juice. You see that? I work 70 plus hours a week. Hitting a ball well is my joy juice. 
Grace, for you, we're talking about being part of something. You also have a part in this. You represent the illumination with grace, don't you? And all of this. And, you know, I'm sitting here watching you and you're smiling. And I, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this woman is entirely in joyland here. Why? Oh, thanks for asking that. When Rick and I got together, I actually met him uh, giving a talk. And I thought the information was just so profound and beautiful, a little heady. Like, I couldn't really understand what it was all about until I really got more time with him and I was like, oh, I can really sink my teeth into this. And then he took a step back from sharing it and I was like, please share this information. It's really needed right now. Like people need this and I see how they're impacted by our relationship and who we are as a couple and, and what you're sharing. And, and so I've noticed as Rick would coach people he would have to come and talk to me about it and so this is very much part of our life and we're always like trying to figure out how our clients can get more elegant results easier results like how can they really have what they want and and what's the quickest way there and so in order to to maintain intimacy and integrity with these people he brought me into it and yeah. so here I am, while I'm not necessarily so outspoken on our calls or whatever, I am here creating the space that our clients get that easy, elegant healing. And so Illumination with Grace is really about illuminating that path. Stepping into conscious reality creation is a huge choice. And there's many more choices stacked on top of that. It's like, you want to lose weight. Okay, well, what does that mean? I got to change, oh, I'm, I need to change my diet or I need to do this or that. Now, do you really need to do those things or can we unplug those beliefs and make it that much more elegant for you? And so Illumination with Grace is um, a one-on-one -on -one session with me. I do it with our first-time clients and it's an important first step. It's building intimacy. It's exploring the possibilities of where you can go, where you want to go, and how to unplug that past so you're not throwing it out in the future and living a pattern. And I know many people can relate to me. When you're living a pattern, it can feel like you're hitting your head against the wall or you're just oh. like, do this anymore. Oh, and those are negative patterns. Yeah. yeah. People aren't even really into realizing that if I keep going for happiness in my life, I'm now in an addictive pattern. Because if that makes me happy, I need my ice cream at nine o'clock every night and I my TV show, that makes me happy. And what happens, they get an addiction and they just need what they need. They're not really present anymore, but they're happy. And hey, I don't wanna, I don't wanna diminish happiness, but there's way more going on. There's way more to do. Happiness is just the first step that people dream of. I had no problem, I just wanna be happy. Yeah, well, to be happy, you need a positive future. <laughs> <laughs> and then you recognize joy is what I'm really after. I want to enjoy myself. Yeah, and that's happen. it. That's, a that's it. That's different. Right. That's very different. 
very different. And, you know, I know we're going to do an entire radio series, but I'll tell you what you just said, both of you right there. And, and I'm glad I picked the right thing because joy is what I, what I get from both of you, both of you, but there is confusion. There really is confusion. We see this thing on the outside. And we want to be happy, 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 happy. I'm telling you, when I was there, even if it was that short 20-minute period, it changed me. Now, I'm going tomorrow, and I'm going differently. Do you see? And I think that's synergenetic living. I think that's the work you do because once this gets touched, right, once we get to feel this, experience it, I can't go back. No, I can't go back. And I'm telling you, if this doesn't work out tomorrow, but I have the belief it will. But just in case, you never know. I'm calling you uh, because I don't I want that. I want that thing that happened the last 20 minutes tired. I'd been playing for like five hours, tired, sweaty and great. I love it. Great. And all I can hear is your voice. It will be a different experience. But now you're going to see many times when you move through that and you're in a group, the next time you come back more on point of what's going on, you start inspiring them. Because you made a leap since last week and they don't know, but they know you're different and they get inspired. Like, look at her. She's she was just arguing. You see, it'll bring up the next level. Because in synergenetic living, the steps to getting there are the qualities of being there. And the qualities of being there are the steps of getting there. Because the future is dictating. And if I hit a blockage on my way to a future position, that's just part of the step going across the creek that I need to get to the next step. It's not a problem. It's the next thing mechanically that needs to happen to me to elegantly get to where I want to go. And then there's a point when you start learning what those are, you can diminish those and put positive pieces in. So this keeps building on a, in a forever. Look at the action. I mean, we're going to be talking about a lot of really deep, deep things. And I'm sorry if I'm digressing a little bit, but I had to share this with you because this for me is major. I was a 1973-74 champ. People out there today look at their past and say, well, I used to do that when. Oh, I did that when. Oh, you know, back in the day. Oh, you know. And my gosh, we don't have to do that. And that's what you do to help people. So, okay, here's the thing. Real quick. I get done. And the gentleman that's been coaching me, helping me, who actually built my paddle, Beautiful titanium, great rubber, a little bit slow for me. But he says, you know what? I got another paddle. It's faster, and I'm going to put faster rubber on it. Now, this is somebody that yeah. thought the pa- the thing that I had was too fast for me. Now yeah. we're going to get like a new one, and we're going to get like faster rubber. What? Uh, okay. Nice. Right. Instead of slower rubber, right? <laughs> so all you're saying is, your your reality is telling you you're going the right direction because the feedback is telling me that I am. And I can trust the decision I just made because reality went in the direction I wanted it to go. If it went and they set a slower paddle, you'd have to say, okay, I didn't incorporate that belief yet. 
And I just got to work on it more because now I can use my coach, the paddle builder, as a measuring device to how am I doing when that guy, when I get back into it, he goes, I want to give you a faster paddle. Faster paddle. I'm back. I am now where I am. To, to use the lot, your life in physical reality, the, what you're supposed to be doing is generating the reality. And time is in place to give you the chance to make the adjustments for it to come out the way you want it to. And this, we're talking about our lives here, though. See, I may be talking about a game, but not really. Not really. We're talking about that job you want. We're talking about that that business you want to start, that romance you want, all of that. When we first started trying to market ourselves, every time we'd hire a market, said, you got to find a niche. You got to find, I'm like, if you understood what I was teaching, you'd know that I don't. I didn't ask you that, did I? No, but people do all the time because- I'm like, when your paradigm is bigger, there's an answer or at least a solution, a way to get an answer this way. And it works every time. And people go, oh, we're, <laughs> it does. It does because I'm in alignment with the harmony of what's happening in the bigger picture. And I'm, and I'm the third leg here. You know, again, that's why she's involved because I need to work through the stuff that I go right now. I need to go home and go, okay, how do I create a resonance ahead? How do I create a faster paddle? So next yeah. session, I'm already got the faster paddle for them. And so during the week, I'm working on my own beliefs because sometimes I'll hear, oh, they said something. I have that. Let me get rid of that limited belief. So the healing ends up healing me even faster because I'm in actively engaged with the person I'm solving the issues ahead of them. So I make, I compel them. I don't propel people in healing. I mm. compel them. Yeah. And that they get excited. They're doing the work. They, I give them all the tools to get there. They can heal at least the things that they understood in themselves in somebody else. There's thousands of things to heal, but the things they, they, they get through, they self-heal. I am just helping you heal yourself so you have the tools the next time I get stopped. I have the way to define what's going on. I have the way to incorporate. I'm self-authored. And that's what I want. I want to teach people to be free, free of yeah. anything inhibiting you. I yeah. can find the way together. Yeah. Between yeah. this regulation, I totally trust it. I know. Yeah. I, I think we have an epidemic. I said this the other day. I said, you know, this is my belief. I think we have a little epidemic. And I don't like using words like that, but here is here it is. The word stuck is listed in Google exponentially 15 times more today than it was five years ago. And why? You know, is it a story we like to tell ourselves? Because you see, what I love about Jessica especially is when I said to Jessica, we're going to build a network technology that doesn't exist today. And this is what we're going to build because our people said they want this kind of thing. We're going to build it from scratch. It's going to be something that the world doesn't have. And by the way, we're going to be able to add hundreds and hundreds of channels, not shows, channels at the drop of a hat. So here we go. So do you think Jessica says, really? No, nothing. She's nothing like, well, what's the problem? Nobody does it. How long is it going to take? How much money? Nothing. Her answer, great. That was four years ago, right? We've built it. 
we're testing it. If you said to me, I want a network, not a show, like a whole network, like like a big network, Jessica would say, great, 24 hours. And you would have a fully functioning network like Transformation Talk Radio for the exact reasons, Rick and Grace, you're talking about. You see, we're not unusual. We're not an anomaly. But what you're talking about gives freedom to people to not just dream, but to create. Don't Isn't that what we're talking about? Creating. Yes. Creating a reality in accordance to your will. That's what you're here to do. Whether you know it, whether you agree, it doesn't matter to me. I'm here to share. Take it, leave it. You know, but the more that I understand how to do it, the more I create people that want to take it. Yeah. And it's opening up faster and faster. And I, you know, I'm, it's, it's trying to figure out how to be and live my life the way I want. And at the same time, allow something so new and so sophisticated in a way. Mm -hmm. It's a very sophisticated system because evolution is a spiral up. It creates its own energy as it goes, and it has to get more sophisticated. So evolution is a lifting in complexity. Simplicity is going to ruin you. Don't try to be all simple and find all these little simple. It's not going to work. We've already lifted. It's like you got to go from 2.0 to 3.0. Mm. You can't go back to 1.0 because you mm -hmm. liked it better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. got to be a lifting, but there's lots of things to learn. And I tell people reality creation is like a huge birthday cake. So exciting, so amazing, but you're not going to eat that thing in one day. <laughs> I'm take a bite, and I'm going to take a bite, and I'm going to take a bite, and after a while, I'm going to be so excited of what it was. And there's plenty of people hearing me, and I don't even argue with people. I don't hardly have it happen anymore either because I'm learning how not to not to create that, not to allow that in, you know. And of course, when you're talking about something new, there's always going to be projections. There's always projections in the room. So you have to be able to feel those and feel your way through those as a healer. You know, I, I'm not perfect, but I, I, what I do like about what I know is I don't have the answers for everything, but I have the solutions to get there and I know it. And I, I'm so excited to share because yeah. I, I, I just hear it. I hear it in a person's voice when they're talking to me, you know, and I love creating freedom. Yeah. I like Freedom. I'm an American. I came to America born here because I love freedom. Our icon is an eagle. Yeah. It's the most free thing in the world. Yeah, and Rick and I were actually talking about this recently. It's like it's not only to be free from, it's but really free, free to. to. Yeah. Free to is what we're looking. Not free from. Free from is great. I don't diminish that. But what you really design is the freedom to. And that's a whole different mindset. You know, and it is a different mindset because it's very different than the energy of freedom from freedom from means that someone, something so, somehow has got you shackled, has got you trapped, has got you and enslaved. And that is really different. And it ultimately is a belief. It's oh, a, yeah. a paradigm. And the thing is, we're doing transformational work and people are like, oh, I do transformation. No, I'm talking transformational in the way of a paradigm shift. What's happening right now with everyone is the paradigm shift energetically has happened, but people don't know they're creating reality. So they've got all these fears and angers and things that are suppressed and they're coming out in the present. They're coming out in the religions. They're coming out of the unconscious mind because 
we haven't opened up to that of realizing, oh, I stuffed all this trash in the background for the last 25 years, and now it's starting to resonate out here, and I don't know what to do about it because I think it's out there. It's separate from me. It's not separate. And you know, a lot of people are, yeah, I know I'm one. I'm one. No, you're, and it's both. That's the problem. You are absolutely an individual creating your own universe, and so is everyone else. It's not like we are all one. That won't work. That's like running out on the football field and saying, let's play football. We got 10 people. And everybody's like, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. Everybody has to have a job. Everybody has to have a position in order for the synergy to happen. Yeah. Everybody runs. Now you're running a team. Now you're running something. And so we just create a triangle. That's why your astrology chart, when you ask them, what do they say? Birthday, place, time, three positions. Your anti-integram drive runs on three positions, my integration, my disintegration, and my drive. It's a triangle. Tesla, Tesla was crazy about the, he was totally infatuated with the number three because it is how things are working. It's a synergy between things. And that's what synergenetic living is all about. And I know I'm getting excited. I get fired up. I get a little fired up too uh, because what we're talking about can be demonstrated. And that's why I'm so excited about this show. You know, it's so that we can bring people forward and say, listen, would you like to take a synergenetic challenge right now? Would you like to have the opportunity to change a belief and then tell us how that went for you? Okay, what belief would you like to change? Well, for me, it's I'm too old. Yeah, well, let's change that immediately and then let's go play and let's see what shows up. And I'll give you a huge key to doing that. The future creates the present. What happens when a person gets older, they naturally think my future is becoming limited. Exactly. You have to be more adept at creating and imagining a future for myself because I've been taught that I don't have much. When people die in the hospital or when they're chronically ill, what happens when they get to the point I can't see myself whole again and they die? It's the future that creates their, because that's where the hope is. It's in the future. The future is a source of any and all healing. Yeah. Have to be incorporating this. What's where I'm going is far more important than where I've been. But we're still stuck in where we've been. Yeah. Interesting thought I want to kind of end up with here because I know we got to run is somebody told me a story about humans and the evolution of humans. And they said that, you know, when humans first became humans, I think this is a little joke, but it's a little story. They said when humans first became humans, there wasn't an idea of death except to be killed. There wasn't an idea of age. There was an idea of you walk the earth and then something kills you. That's very different than growing old and dying. And and he went on to tell me that that carried forward for centuries and centuries and thousands of years were people that roamed the earth. And he said, yeah, biblical people, these people that are written about, they roam the earth. They only knew that death would come from somebody else killing them. Because they didn't have a future. They didn't know that there was they didn't a know. future. They didn't know that they were getting old and were going to die. Every day the sun was born <laughs> and it died. Exactly. Every day it was born and died. You know, they didn't have the concept. Nostradamus and all these people gave you the idea that, hey, there's a destiny. We all have this person's, te- you see, you created things in the reality to give you the indicators. It was future that they didn't understand existed yet. Exactly. 
Wow. Thank you both so much. One last question. I want to ask you both, what's your personal message? What do you want to leave everybody with? And by the way, we're going to do a show. This is a regular series, Synergenetic Living Radio. Personal message, what would you like to leave folks with? Your dream life is no more than a belief away. That's what I, that's my thing I say, and it's simple, but it's very complex statement that takes a lot of yeah. Thank you, Rick. Grace, how about you? I want to tell people to expect the best, to have high expectations. Higher I know. Yeah. I know. And I wanted to do this show with you both in Hawaii because you just don't talk about how to do things. When I met you, you didn't live there. And what you did is you live your life the way you talk about living life. And I wanted to for people to see that. Thank you both for today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I so appreciate it. Mm. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on. I'm telling you, I know you want more. I know. But, you know, what we'll do is you're going to get more. We'll see you next time. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio for the latest on Synergenetic Living Radio with Rick and Grace Paris. Learn how to get clear on the life you desire. Synergenetic Living is a living, breathing, conscious experience. Rick and Grace will teach you the art of utilizing the future to create the now with a sense of artistic and absolute power, having dominion without domination. For more information on Rick and Grace Paris and Synergenetic Living, or to download an episode of Synergenetic Living Radio, visit SynergeneticLiving.com.